0: Listening to Frankie Boy Radio. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Letting America take a deep breath. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 313 of Frankie Boy Radio. Tonight we're talking about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his wonderful legacy, and the story of racism and redemption. Pull up a chair. Buckle up, because we've got, well, we've got an engaging topic for you this evening. I'm your host, Josh Urban. Thanks for tuning in. Now, I try to avoid certain issues on this program. The topic or the point of this is to lift people up through the COVID lockdown and as such. I try to leave politics out of it. I try to leave race out of it. That's certainly been heavily discussed. A big part of the national conversation right now with varying degrees of productivity or counterproductivity in some cases. So it's with trepidation that I speak with you, but I have this great sign in my office my mom gave me, and it it's a picture of Jordan Peterson. It says, In order to think, you have to risk being offensive. So I'd like to preface this with, this is a story that I hope will continue the healing process that Dr. King was so instrumental in, and it's presented as such. I buried a friend today. And it was an interesting day to do so. I've never been a pallbearer before. And that weight was not only heavy as my right hand grasped the handle as the funeral director instructed, it was heavy in my soul. There was four of us. My friend didn't really have any family. She didn't have any family. She was survived by one of her friends and his family came. And so ends the remarkable tale of racism and redemption. I met her a couple of months ago, and I was hanging out with her one day playing music, and we are just chatting, small talk. I said, where are you from? Mississippi. Oh, that's so cool. I've just been studying Delta Blues, and oh, I'm so excited to meet you. You're from Mississippi. And then she looked hesitant. She looked up at me in that way that she would. And she said, well, not everybody likes to hear that. I said, well, why not? She said, well, the the prejudice. And I'm always diving into these conversations, especially, well, this seemed to be an interesting one. I said, well, are you? I used to be. How long were you? 70 years. She was 91 when she was telling me this. I moved. She told me, she said, I moved to from Mississippi, moved up to Washington when she was 12. She said, the first time a black man sat down beside me on the bus, I thought I was gonna die. Really, I said, I wanted to hear more of the story. I was hoping there was you know, a good ending to this. And she said, yeah, I was like that for a while. I said, well, what changed? Hoping that she, she had you know, come around. She said, well, I got to know people. So it didn't seem like there was a, a big lightning strike or anything. It seemed like she got to know people and the, the fires of hate slowly extinguished. Now, that was really the only time we talked about that. But people's actions are often louder than their words, and hers were no exception. She was incredibly close with two of my nurse buddies there. These are quality women. And the thing, how it's set up is, you know, there's obviously a lot of interaction between the nurses and the residents. But there doesn't always have to be a bond that's formed. You know, you can go into work and do your thing and leave. However, my friend and my nurse friends had formed this exceptionally close bond. And it just so happens that my nurse friends are both from Nigeria. So my friend was, got very sick. She thought she was dying, we thought she was dying. And I came in to her room one day to visit her and she was asleep. One of the nurses was just hanging out with her, wanting her to stay there, in this world that is. Then she got better she got weaker and weaker. And one day, my nurse buddies call me up. They say, hey, you know, can you, I would, I would help her. Uh, I would go sit outside with her and smoke her cigarettes. And my friend was losing her eyesight and she couldn't see the cigarettes. And it was an interesting thing because in one hand, I'm handing somebody poison, but on the other hand, they're on their way out anyway. And I never quite knew what to make of that. You know, one hand I'm enabling and one hand I'm providing a needed service. So I'm still, jury's still out on that. So the nurses call me up and say, hey, you know, she needs some help. And I go there and they look very worried. She's kind of slumped over and I take her outside. I have to hold the cigarette for her. And I knew this would probably be the last time that we talked. And when my buddy Coach passed, I went into his room and, you know, I did the whole deathbed talk. I ended up doing this with a friend later, but this time there was something deeper than words that needed to be said. So I just sat there and helped her. Commented on the sky. I was just with her. I said, you ready to go in? She nodded. So I backed her up. Thinking about the sacredness of the everyday ritual. Thinking about how I'm going to open and close that door millions of times. And this is probably the last time she's going to go through it. And... And that was the last time I saw her when she was coherent. But I went into her bed side the, uh, the day before she died. And I talked with her, talked to her. I don't know if she could hear me or not, but I told her, I said, you know, I think this, this is really something how far you've come when you couldn't even sit next to somebody on the bus. And now you're so close to people. And I don't see people changing a lot. And I told her that was so important for me to see how people can change. I said it through tears and it was difficult, but not at the same time because it had to be said, of course. And I played her an Lou Harris song on my phone. Phone screen was all cracked. Crouched down there and played her the song. And then the song came to a close. Probably the last song that she heard. Stayed a couple more minutes, said goodbye. And then the next morning, one of the nurse friends said, Hey, she's going to be with the Lord. So there we were just outside of Southeast D.C. at her graveside in the cold wind as the gay black preacher read his sermon and stood next to these two fine women and how we all missed her so much and I know she wanted us there And we put her in the ground on Martin Luther King Day. And she didn't have any family there. And I usually wax nihilistic at the side of a grave because what's the point of anything? But this time, I saw that there was not nothing there. There was lots of talk about. A mansion being prepared for her in the afterlife. And I don't know what I think about that. That would be nice. That's beyond the scope of this broadcast. But I saw what she was able to live herself into in this life was worth noting. And then we left. and We missed her. And we will continue to miss her. And I wanted to share her story because it's it's a difficult topic, you know. On one side, you could say, oh, wow, Josh. Saying some person, you know, finally saw the light and has black friends. Oh, wow. That's cliche. I'm offended. <laughs> okay, be offended. I don't hear... And I haven't seen, and maybe it's because I haven't lived long enough, many stories of how people come around. And I think that's a story worth telling and worth remembering. So we too can come around in whatever area we need to. Hopefully it's not as glaringly deficient as not being able to see a person because of the color of their skin. But there's many ways that we hate beyond that. So on this Martin Luther King day, continuing his or trying to honor his good work. I tip my hat to the possibility of redemption as illustrated in her life. And I'm very grateful that I got to see that. So, let's take a couple of deep breaths. Go ahead and breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Let those eyes drift gently closed. Here we go. I hope you found this broadcast to be of service. And again, I wanted to tell it because I didn't want the story to die with her. I don't know how many people know it. Um, I know she doesn't have any family to listen to this. If a friend is listening, I I hope again, you take this in in the spirit that it's intended. It's of utmost respect and hope for the world. Thanks for listening and good night. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.